What up, y'all? Welcome back to the Cayman Lookalikes Hot Seat. I'm your host, the Admiral. On the hot seat today, we'll get to know about Swaggy B. We'll learn about his fantasy success or lack thereof in our league, discuss some of his NBA passion, experiences, and even learn about his shooting camp he hosted. We will really dive into some personal stories more than we ever have in the past, and we truly hope you find it as funny as we did. Welcome to the Hot Seat Swaggy B. Hey, pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Good to have you. Finally have you on. It's been tough to track you down. What you been up to lately? I've been waiting around to get on the hot seat here. <laughs> well, welcome. Canceled or something. I didn't know what was going on. No, a lot of lot of prep, lot of preparation for this call here. So another non-champion on the hot seat here. What has been your downfall? Um, just luck. I'd say luck. I mean, there's been at least a handful of times I'm confident I had the best best team, but fantasy basketball is tricky. Anything can happen in a week, and just haven't been able to string together enough playoff wins to, to bring home a, a playoff title. So with somebody owning three of the nine titles, is that luck too? Um, I mean, there's it's it's – I'd say it's 70-30, you know, mostly skill, a little bit of luck. So maybe maybe you lack in the skill department. No, no. It's just variance. <laughs> if you look at, you know, do you know, run the numbers enough times, you're going to run into a few bad, few bad eggs there. But I think, I mean, if you look at the last two years, I'm looking at a regular season title here unless something funky happens. Lead the league in points. Led the league in points last year. So if you look at anybody who's trending in the right direction, you know, it would be Swaggy B. It's, it's a matter of when, not if. <laughs> Fair enough. So speaking of the league, let's hear the guys you do know. Who do you, who do you all know in the league? How you know them? Uh, so just everybody that I know, obviously grew up with you, grew up with Nick, um, met Steven, half-baked through you. <laughs> known him for a long time. Um, went on a few trips, partied with him. Uh, hung out with Brew, you know, a handful of times through you guys. Um, the name Timmerman definitely looks familiar. I don't, I can't say that I've met him. I don't know if he was more Nick's friend in college. I think, I think I remember the corduroy pants though. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that would ring a bell. But that, that's it. Um, Grew up with you and Nick down in Beaver Lake, went to school together, and everybody else, you know, probably known them for, you know, 10 or 12 years after that. So about these guys you don't know, you you have a golf foursome, and you get to pick three of these guys or just one or two if you'd rather just golf with one or two of them instead of a foursome. Who are you picking? I would pick, I guess, whichever of the Chorley's got the hole-in-one. I think I remember that. I'd take that guy. That's, that's Andrew. Andrew, okay. And then I, Timmerman sounds like an interesting cat. We could talk about some conspiracy theories and things like that. He'd definitely be along for the ride. And we'd obviously talk about cinema. He has a good taste in cinema from what I can understand. Um, and then after that, maybe maybe Tyler. Just wild card there, Tyler. 
Yeah. That's not like a decent foursome. I wouldn't want to be stuck behind you guys, though. <laughs> yeah, I grew up. Um, uh, we, we, we golfed quite a bit, but it wasn't until I was a little bit older I realized I needed glasses. I could never, you know, I was just piping the ball, you know, but I never could see where it ended up. So I always needed you to, to guide the way. Yeah, I remember that. And I kind of have a, I remember you as freshman year, you had no idea where the ball went most of the time. And sometimes I may have said, sorry, Scott, I'll be again. Yeah. And it was a decent shot. So I kind of want to take this time to apologize for my actions and maybe some of your scores. I knew, I kind of figured the whole time that was happening, but I never had any proof. I mean, Scott hit the ball, guys, and he had no clue where it went. Like, <laughs> it was, it was very, it was. I mean, it's funny now, but it's sad at the time because I mean, he uh-huh. shouldn't have been, he should have been on the road driving. <laughs> uh, and speaking, of, I mean, in, in Nebraska, for you guys who don't know, you could get school permit at age fourteen, and our golf practice was like fifteen minutes away. So as fourteen year olds, you got to drive fifteen minutes to golf practice was better than golf practice itself. Just that you know, driving that far as a fourteen-year-old, nobody should be driving that young on these roads. But we were. Yeah, that was like the main perk of the golf team was just be able to drive to practice and screw around when you're fourteen or fifteen. Thinking back, you probably weren't the most responsible with it. <laughs> no, and the golf course we played. Scott sent me a picture this weekend and uh, sent me a friendly reminder. Go ahead and tell the story, Scott. On I think it was whole. I don't even know what hole that is on Bay Hills, but one of my worst experiences in my golf career. Yeah, it's funny because I'm usually a pretty poor putter. Awful. I'm usually, you know, three, four, five, six, seven putt. Uh, um, and Brett's usually pretty pretty solid. He'll, he'll surprise you and kind of saves the rest of his mediocre game for the most part is his ability to sink some putts. But Bay Hills, it's a pretty tough course, pretty hilly, gets dry, and the greens are just ridiculous. It's almost like some of those putt-putt you know, courses where they put the hole like on the side of a hill. Um, and I'd hold out, Brett, I think is probably putting for par and he's at the top and it just, you know, just like a putt where if you could just like flick it, that's all you'd want to do just because, you know, it's no matter what you do, it's going to go past the hole. And he hit it, went all the way back down to the other side of the green, goes back, hits it up, you know, leaves it above the hole, has the same burner putt coming back, hits it, Rolls, trickles all the way back down and it's funny for me because that's I'm usually doing that but I think he took like a 10 putt ended up with I don't know a 14 or 15 on that hole it was it was the worst pin position ever that superintendent was out for me <laughs> we just smoked so maybe that was a little bit to do with it but I just couldn't contain myself watching no it was it was bad it was pathetic Scott was on the ground laughing like going in a circle <laughs> laughing like like in the cartoons <laughs> Because you just kept doing the same thing over and over. You hit it, leave it above the hole, and just try and tap it. But there was nothing you could do unless you like just rammed it in the back of the cup and it was at the bottom. And... Uh, one of the best things about golf practice was the drive out there. Like I said, and we had, uh, I drove a '92 Cutlass Supreme, and sometimes we carpooled together. And the best thing about it was. It was a digital speedometer, so you could uh, read it digitally. So if you want to tell the story from there, Scott. Yeah, so there was a a younger kid named Jordan Gregg a year or two behind us, and he was always a good sport, and we'd mess with him from time to time, and we were giving him a ride out to practice. 
Uh, we said we were going to top out your card to see how fast it could go on that little stretch uh, right before the course, and you switched the digital dash over to kilometers per hour, um, you know, unbeknownst to him. So we get on this stretch of road, we're, we're cranking it up, and we get over 150, 160, 170 <laughs> kilometers per hour, and he's just in the backseat, like, screaming, freaking out, thinking we're going to kill him. Just, I've never been this fast before. Like, you guys are nuts. You do this all the time. You know, we're, <laughs> The, whatever the conversion is, we we're probably going top, like 80 tops. Yeah, 80, 90 miles per hour. Just, just chill. My and the cutlass yeah, is just cutlass. Cutlass is just going smooth at 160. <laughs> yeah, so that was a pretty good, pretty good time messing with him. And he, he's the one that um, somebody convinced him to, to whip his dick out because he didn't hit it past the ladies' tees in a, in a tournament, <laughs> no less. Um, yeah. Golf and one time we went to Brett. One of the things you know, if you guys know Brett and his business member, we'd um, show up to like golf tournaments, and he always would bring like a, a shitty throwaway club. And <laughs> as, as like all the vans are sitting around parking, waiting for the tournament to start, he'd go out in the parking lot, and just like act halfway retarded, and like swing this club around and hit rocks, and <laughs> just for whatever reason, that's Brett's sense of humor, just screwing with people in the parking lot swinging this club on the concrete as hard as he can and everybody's kind of like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it was funny uh yeah a lot of a lot of good golf experiences uh we've talked about some blackout experiences in the league any good story you'd like to bring up yeah the best or the a good one i mean most of my blackout stories are fairly mundane you know you go out and drink too much and just go home and pass out and the next day things are a little bit fuzzy um i'm sure you'd probably you'd say otherwise but uh when we all went to vegas we went to the, the i think the last night we were there we're going to the palms and there's like two towers and they have a club on like whatever the the top floor of the 40th or 50th floor and we had been getting after it pretty hard all, all trip and there I, you know, I went after it extra hard, and what it's the Ghost Bar or the Playboy Club. One of them has like the the plexiglass like floors, so when you're on the top, it looks you know looks like you're floating or whatever. And I was just fucked up, and I looked down, you know, through the floor, and the last thing I remember thinking is like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then like the, the light switch went off, and I have like maybe two or three hours just completely unaccounted for. And, but it was like a light switch coming on too which is weird because normally when I get that drunk I'm just going to pass out but it, it turned back on as I was trying to leave I went into the emergency stair well and it's like a one way one way door so once you're out there you can't get back in and I got out there <laughs> and the first thing I remember is looking at my phone getting a text from you saying we're leaving and as I read it my phone dies and the door slams so I'm stuck on like the 50th floor and the ride's leaving, so I'm like, fuck. So I bolted down, like, 50 flights of stairs. Obviously, couldn't find anybody. And the Palms is kind of off the beaten path there, so it's not, like, right on the strip. So I had a little walk in front of me. Couldn't call a cab. You know, Ubers didn't exist. My phone was dead. So I just started fucking walking. Some dude in the 300C pulls up. Hey, man, where are you going? I'm like, I'm just walking home. So very wisely, I got in a stranger's car in Vegas and <laughs> – he, he started driving me home, and I inquired about possibly buying some sort of ecstasy or something. And, of course, he said, yeah, I got you, I got you, and I gave him 100 bucks. And I got out of the car. He said he had to run to get it, and obviously I never saw that guy again. But trying to get, you know, 
times we've been to Vegas, I tried finding ecstasy, but couldn't do it. It's kind of weird, but um, that's probably a good blackout story where it's just on and off, where three hours of my night, I have no idea what happened. Never going to know. That's actually not the blackout story in Vegas I was thinking of. Oh, really? Remember where you, you called my parents at like 4 a.m. Nebraska time? Yeah, that's when me and you went by ourselves. Yeah. yeah, and that's where you you did get some X while you thought on the street. Yeah, some hobos hold us some Tylenol. <laughs> and I was waiting. I was waiting for like an hour. I'm like, it's gonna kick in. I'm like an hour and a half. Later, I'm gonna take the other <laughs> one just to be sure that it's fake. <laughs> but nothing worked. But yeah, I was. We were shooting craps, and I got some some girl's number, and I didn't have my phone, so I think I put it in your her number in your phone, and then I was blacked out trying to call her later that night. But I think I kept calling your parents' house for some reason. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then you then you left your phone in the cab. Yeah, yeah, I did. But I then we got the like, oh, but then he brought the cab driver brought it back, so yeah, he, cab, it worked out. Luckily, he brought it back. But yeah, your mom said something about it one time. It's like you kept calling me at four o'clock in the morning asking for some girl. Like oh. <laughs> Really sorry about that. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought Brent and Scott were going out there just to, you know, take it easy. Star Trek convention. Yeah. Uh, this actually makes me realize the one time I was kicked out of the bar, and I never even drank that night. Scott was a baker and liked to make brownies, but only these brownies were like the perfect high for him, time of his life, like ideal high but for all his friends it was terrifying just too bombed scared for your life so i swear scott made a separate batch i swear scott made a separate batch for himself any uh, thoughts on the speculation no it was maybe the uh, the osmosis of the weed didn't you know get fully distributed throughout the brownies even maybe you got a strong you know one of piece of the pan but they were all the same brownies. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I basically like, passed out of this. Like, yeah, I ended up at this bar. I wake up outside. <laughs> they kicked me out. <laughs> I didn't drink. <laughs> like, I'm sober. Like, you just fainted. You just fell down in the bar. There's no way. Yeah, let me back in. <laughs> let me in. <laughs> and what oh. those batches, former uh, league member Tim McGee got a hold of one. He doesn't smoke at all. And he got a hold of a strong one, and he insisted that I wasn't there. I, I had something else to do. Uh, it was you two kind of having your own little weird trip, and he wanted you to cut his feet off or something. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was way too high. We sat in the. I mean, I was. We sat in the car for two hours outside the bar because it was like I can't drive. And then, <laughs> then we got paranoid because we thought people were watching us, and he he was over the top paranoid. So then I just moved the car to somewhere else where we feel like we're, nobody's watching us. And then, and then finally I feel okay enough to drive to his parents' house where we can go to sleep. It was, it was awful. And I knew, I remember talking to you, you're just having the time of your life. Yeah. I had a family thing to go to. I was at my aunt's house doing like a family. Cool. They probably like, what the fuck is Scott on? But in my head, it was, everything went fine. Any, uh, any other good smoking or drinking stories come to mind? Um, not not off the top of my head. I think those are the some pretty good ones. You got you so, got me smoking. I was a pretty straight edge, pretty clean cut kid, and, and Stoner Brett got me smoking weed. 
Yeah, when was the last time you smoked now? Since I smoked? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, 30 minutes ago? <laughs> Same here. So, let's uh, let's talk about your team name, Swaggy B. It does kind of fit you. Like, he was pretty overhyped, you know? Yeah, yeah, at this point. Um, that's fair. I would, in terms of accomplishments, maybe they were pre-Super Bowl Andy Reid, you know, a guy that had good regular seasons, made the playoffs, made Super Bowls, just could never get over the hump. Wow, you've thought of that comparison before. I have. It's, I think it's a perfect one. <laughs> uh, so do you have a current favorite player or team in the NBA? Uh, current, I'm, uh, to be honest, I'm pretty – Pretty much a LeBron follower for most of his career. Ever since he was in, ever since he was in Cleveland, just kind of just followed LeBron around. I'm not gonna lie, I'm, I'm a LeBron chaser. Kind of just root for wherever he goes. So right now you're a Lakers fan. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, you know, honestly, I'm more just like watching games. I, it's I don't really have like a super hard rooting interest. You know, I don't live or die by the Lakers or anything like that. Obviously, that's who I'm rooting for. Just love watching just game in general, tracking my team, tracking stats. You know, my favorite my favorite team is Swaggy B, I'll say that much. Fair enough. NBA teams growing up. I recall some Magic gear at a young age. Oh, yeah. Big into Magic, love their color scheme, love their jerseys. You know, they had Shaq, Penny, a couple exciting young guys. You figure this team's going to be a dynasty. Um, even, you know, Good, good, fun role players like Horace Grant, uh, Dennis Scott, uh, or Nick Anderson, just some shooters, just a fun team. So, do you have a favorite coach of all time? Uh, favorite coach? That's a good one. I don't... Nobody's really standing out in terms of favorite coach. Okay, come back to it if you think of somebody. Yeah. Um, do you got a, any NBA interaction or live experience that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I've been to a handful, maybe three or four NBA games. Obviously, being in Nebraska, you have to travel to go see somebody. We, it was you, me, and a couple of buddies went to, for Tim's bachelor party, went up to Minnesota, and that was when they played the Thunder. And I don't know what year that was. Do you know off the top of your head? No, probably 12 or 13. 14. Yeah. So that was right when the Thunder were still, you know, Westbrook, Durant, Ibaka, Harden, that group of guys. Yeah, 12 or 13. So, I mean, we all knew, you know, they were going to be good and, you know, but in terms of having, what, three MVPs and um, made the finals, I think, the next year, you know, James Harden's a sixth man. It's kind of cool seeing that before they got broken up. I remember just sitting there watching, you know, James Harden was still relatively unknown at the time and he was known, but he wasn't a superstar and he was just standing in the corner and somebody was just lobbing him, you know, balls and he just stood in the corner, you know, catching shoots and made, I, he made at least 25 in a row, made like 25 out of 30 or, you know, 25 out of 26 shots. It's crazy how good those guys are you know, in a in an open gym, you know, if there's nobody guarding them, it's just like, you know, they make every single shot. It's just ridiculous. And James Harden, like, this, I mean, he, he's not very tall, but he played post in college. Like, 
he he played down in the paint. So he had all that game figured out. Then he turned out to be a great shooter too. It's just just a smooth transition. Because right now there'd be no way he'd be in the post in a college game. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a thick boy. He's you know six six. Kind of a college game. A guy like that can do pretty much whatever he's needed to do. So seeing all James Harden hit all those corner threes, did that lead to your uh, your your BJ cubed? Uh, shooting camp yeah, idea. Friend. Some of the guys probably don't know about that. Yeah, if you want to explain it, just a kind of fabricated clinic that I claim my coach because my favorite shot is just the corner three, the baseline, baseline three. If I play a game uh, of pickup, I'll pretty much stand in, in one spot and you know, maybe maybe not get back on defense, but it's just uh, yeah, a lot of standing in the same spot when the other team has the ball. Yeah, as soon as somebody gets that rebound, they're looking for me on the outlet. Even if it's a one on zero, you know, I'm gonna take that take that corner three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want an assist, get it to BJ Cubed. And that's what I do usually before I go to the gym. I just go and you know, I like to shoot around in the gym just for warm up or whatever and just for whatever reason found that that corner three was, was a deadly shot for me. So uh you know this league does a really good job of reminding everyone of me going 0 and 11 in the first fantasy year when I went all in on Steph Curry before anybody even thought he was going to be the star he was. Yeah, I saw his greatness early, but he he had issues. So let's go, but you know, look at me now. Like, who cares about my first year? Right. Whereas your inaugural season, 2015, what happened that year? 2015. Yeah, do you remember your record? Uh, no, I don't. You went 0-11. Winless. I I made the finals, though. Do you remember that? Not in 15, I don't think. Yeah, because one of those years, I couldn't log into the app or something, and it started auto-drafting for me. It drafted, like, Kevin Durant, who was hurt at the start of the year, and somebody else that was, like, already hurt. And I didn't win this. I don't think I won a game. But everybody made the playoffs that year. It was yeah, I think it was that year I, I went over during the regular season. I won two playoff games and made the finals. I'm gonna look it up right now because that's the that's the best rebuttal ever on this podcast to silence the host by saying you made the uh, uh, finals. Yeah, it was a weird year because for some reason everybody made the playoffs, and right at the end there, Durant got healthy and I maybe got lucky a little bit and. and Ended up making the finals. Lost. I don't know who I lost to in 2015. 2015. Let's see. Uh, playoff. Final playoff results. You. Uh, 2-0. You lost in the semifinals to the Big Fundamentals. Who, who, who went on to win it all? Uh, I'm, gonna, I, I'm guessing the Big Fundamentals, if, you're, if you really want to know. Yeah, that so was, I, I that was me. Optimized. Okay, so I, I think I won two playoff games. Yeah. Or one. But, yeah, I didn't go, I didn't go winless. Correct. But regular season, 0-11. That, I, yeah, that's true. You know, it was a learning experience, I suppose. And that's, I think, so, touch on it. maybe Steve McCarthy kind of said it 
all about that oxygen if you, I mean, if you're experienced with an oxygen draft, you know, one click of the mouse can kind of taint your whole auction. And if, if you don't have a good auction, it's tough to, tough to compete for over the course of 16 or whatever, 20 weeks. So uh, what do you enjoy most about the league? Um, honestly, man, here in Nebraska, it's really difficult to find like a good fantasy basketball league. And I don't know if other people experience that. Obviously there's a hundred fantasy football leagues you can join at any given time, but to have just a consistent group of guys, obviously there's guys that are coming and going, but um, I just enjoy fantasy basketball so much more than fantasy football. I don't know the aspect of the, you got guys going every day. It's a little less fluky. You can kind of, you know, control things a little bit better. And just a good group of guys, you know, I'm getting to know other Torleys, uh, Tyler, mostly through the group text, but guys that seem to have a similar personality or think things are funny. Usually it's, you know, Nick or you or Brew think somebody's funny, you know, or cool. They're usually going to be up, you know, up to snuff. And getting to learn some of these guys, the hot seat's got to be a cool experience for you. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice little touch this year. I know Tim tried running one back in the day, and it was just very mediocre. Not a great product. Just weird. Weird sponsors. Something about the, the dick wipes. Is that right? Like, you wipe off your dick with them? Yeah, that guy. There's leagues just – it's a lot more – a lot lot smoother, better league since he's uh, been banned. Yeah, he always liked to, to cause a ruckus, but I don't know who took his spot, but it's going a lot, a lot smoother, it seems like. A lot less drama. So you joined his little G League, though, right? Yeah, this year it was actually Tim started another league. I figured I might as well join it. He needed, needed some bodies. Could only find eight people. So eight people? Team league, yeah. And I think, I mean, a couple of them tapped out a while ago. Kind of stopped, stopped trying. So there's, I mean, three or four guys that are actually pretty decent. You know, Killoween knows his stuff. Tim has experience. One other guy that's kind of on top of it, but I think I'm leading the league in points by like seven or eight, nine hundred at this point. So I should be should be bringing a title home in that one. Well, good luck in that. So, uh, one thing that me and Scott have in common is we really like to mess with people. When we're on the same page, it was a thing of beauty. Uh, there's a website back in actually like 2000 during the dot com boom. It was called classifieds 2000 it was like early internet used car sales website uh scott 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 and i always looked at uh used cars you know magazines looking at new cars so we just had that passion that dream as 15 year old kids but uh then we kind of had a brilliant idea because this used car website was available so scott if you could want to elaborate i'll chime in yeah it was just kind of one of those first online internet uh classifieds and you could make car listings and you didn't have to like register or make an account or there was no like know your customers so you could just go on there and pretty much do whatever you wanted so you know, Brett got the idea of we're going to somehow steal people and what we the basis <laughs> of the scheme was we would think of like we just get like a, a highly desirable car say this is the year 2000 so we'd say like uh, for sale at 1999 Nissan 300Z uh you know, fully loaded, uh, 5,000 miles. Uh, there's only one stipulation that 
you know, I'm a chronic masturbator and I've nutted all over the interior, uh, you know, exterior, no rust, nothing. And then we set price at like a ridiculous, ridiculously low price. Um, I wouldn't even say ridiculous. I'd yeah. say just where is like, this is too good of a deal. Like I have yeah, to, like, where it's like justified, like, oh, this, I have this major uh, masturbation stains everywhere, but for this price, it's yeah, fucking worth it's it. It's kind of that point where it's like, still made it worth it. Like you'd make the car like just something ridiculously wrong with it, but a price where people would still like claim it to get it. And the kicker was we'd always put like one of our friends' home phone numbers down for the ad. And it was, you know, back then it was all landlines and home phones. So like each night our friends, our friends' <laughs> houses and parents were getting calls asking about these cars. <laughs> people like calling up say, I need that car. I know I'm going to come get it tonight. I got cash. I can pay you. <laughs> oh, calls from Japan, like all over. I mean, it's the internet. So, One of them, like, we like said, if you can save ten thousand a car, great car. Uh, do need you will have to dispose of the dead hooker in the trunk. I didn't put the hooker there. I'm not going to say who did, but it's if you buy the car, it's your responsibility. People were like calling about this car, saying they wanted to buy it, and it was. <laughs> Yeah, Scott. I Scott would put one up. I'd put one up. Then we'd call each other and just start laughing. It was. I hope you guys didn't think it's as funny as we do because it was just genius. And some, I mean, parents were pissed. Pissed. They're getting phone calls. We we didn't expect yeah, it to be all over the world all hours of the night. So you know, we had to delete a few out of the friend out of the right thing to do. But it was it was Eric, great. Then they started. His dad figured it out and they went online. His dad thought it was hilarious because he found our profiles, and under your profile, it lists all your your either current or past ads. So they like sat down together and like read through all the different ads we put up, you know, thinking it was hilarious. At least one person out there got a got a kick out of it. Yeah, I remember. I remember diarrhea was an issue. Another one too. Okay, well, let's. Uh, hopefully, everybody else enjoyed that as much as we did telling the story again. Uh, so Nick brought up one of the other things we did one time was uh, we. Some of you guys probably know what the hell we were talking about. Uh, signs about different parties going on. So me and Scott lived in. in it was a smaller neighborhood, like a lake area, but everybody knew each other. So I had this idea one time to put a sign on Scott's main street where people would drive by and see it, and it said, "Scott's Necrophiliac Party." And BYOC, and it really came to no surprise in the neighborhood if most people knew Scott. But then it started a war, <laughs> and Scott answered. If you want to elaborate yeah, on that, Scott. Driving home was like Mike Todd was going to take me home, and he's like, "What the hell was that?" And there was like huge signs, you know, almost somebody's like having a garage sale or like a baby shower, like this way, just on the side of the road. So I'm like, what the fuck? I, mean, I knew that was your handiwork off the bat. Or, so we found our piece of cardboard and some spray paint and did. Brett's bestiality party off his main road, you know, with a with a big and his road was a little busier. He was a little closer to the, the, the yes. street. Uh, Brett's bestiality party with with an arrow pointing down. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, I'm glad it was you. That'd have been bad if it was somebody else and you just got that out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Uh, I didn't enjoy your sign as much, so that kind of ended the sign war after that. Uh, then Scott was known for some great fake falls, like the movie theater, the movie we were about to start, Scott would walk down all the stairs and like the last stair, 
everybody can see him. He just kind of wipes out and then gets up nonchalant like, like nothing happened. Yeah. Remember yeah, that, Scott? I think maybe right when Jackass was kind of getting popular, maybe they stole our idea. Maybe we stole theirs where you just like – and back then we had maybe <laughs> yeah. pass on the night. So you just, you know, just while the lights are still on, you walk and then you get to the last step and just make a dramatic fall and everybody's like, oh, my God, that, that fucking guy just fell. Did you see that? You know? <laughs> Uh, Scott was a smooth faller, and he, we did something on the diving board where he, uh, I don't even know if Scott could do a gainer, but we get the whole pool going like this guy's going to do a triple gainer. So the whole pool stops. We get the whole pool clapping like this guy's just going to pull this triple gainer off this, you know, one-meter board. That's like maybe – I don't know if no, anybody can pull that off on a one-meter board. No. But we, Scott gets everybody jacked. He jumps up. Gets a big spring and then slipped off the diving board, <laughs> falls in the water, and just lays there. Be like, what the hell? But see, I was I was pretty decent. I could do a few things off the board, you know, regular, you know, one and a half, and I could do a gainer back then. So you know, you do a couple legit moves, and you know, then your homies start hyping you up like you're going to do this triple gainer, and everybody's, you know, hundred people in the pool watching you just do a big jump and just kind of let your knees collapse when you hit and just, just kind of tumble into the water like a just a real length showing. It was great. Yeah. Just wish we had camera phones for some of these pictures or videos. It'd be, it's these, these kids have it so good. We were too early. <laughs> yep. Too early. Um, so how, how do you, how do you define rivalry? Because I'm not sure if we've ever had one, because definitely not one in fantasy hoops. Video games over the years have not much been better. Have not been much better for you. So, what do you? How do you define rivalry? As far as video games, we, we played a lot over the years. The, you had you had me and Bill Walsh. I'll give you that. But there was a laundry list of other games that I regularly beat you. Um, but yeah, Bill Walsh was the main one. I'm standing. I'm standing by for one that you beat me at. Oh, any any. I'm standing by for one that game any college game. Um, like when you were EA. I was not good at Madden. You were pretty bad at Madden. But that's all. We didn't do like, I don't remember a lot of shit. I, I, I wrecked you in Star Fox, that's for sure. Golden Eye, you didn't stand a chance. You, you would like just hide in the corner and put like proximity lines all around yourself and just wait. You are pretty bad. <laughs> but I know somebody else in here played. Yeah, Marvel those games. Which, who was it? Or had played it? Uh, Big, Bigfoot's Dick. That's right. And Brad always had to be Pit 80. We used class teams, which was the best team hands down on the game and had a player named Hugh Green. And if you guys don't know that name, you should look him up. I think he was second in the Heisman, uh, defensive player of the year, every award in a, you know, college football. I think he made an NFL Hall of Fame, but he was like the Bo Jackson, uh, super tech mobile version of a defensive player, just faster than, faster than any back. I mean, you would, he was on kick coverage team and Brett would kick the ball. When I controlled when I controlled him, he was like that. Kick the ball and he would outrun the kick, and I would get tackled as I'm catching, trying to return a kick. And I don't think there was like fair catch back then. It was a one-man wreck. I mean, they had Dan Marino too, and you know, it was it was a stack team. Britt needed to beat me. Is what I'm trying to say. Wouldn't play if you couldn't be pitting. Yeah, and I actually play the game. I remember it was probably like our junior year, and I still wanted to play every night on the weekend. And you started discovering girls, and it was kind of a big bummer for me. I still, I still play. It probably looks weird now, but yeah, we we, we smashed that game. <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, who do you consider your rivals in the league? The process, Bigfoot's dick? I don't really know. I mean, some of these newer guys who need time to develop. I guess whoever, I'd, I'd have to look. I don't even really know right now if I have a, a rival. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, maybe you and half baked, just middle of middle of packed consistently. You know, during the playoffs, no success. That'd be a good rival. Yeah, I, I guess I'll I'll make them my rival officially officially right now. I have a new rival. You hear that? I'm coming for you. <laughs> and you guys made a big trade. How's that? How's that working out? Yeah. It's pretty even keeled so yeah, far, isn't it? It's pretty, I'd say it's a coin flip right now. So uh, we've worked some places together. Anything come to mind or any stories you want to tell about that? Yeah, we worked together starting, I think it was both of our kind of first jobs when we lived at the lake. And we worked on like the maintenance crew. And it, it, it sounds like a shitty job, but it's actually pretty cool. There's something called a dredge, which goes in like the coves and like the mud. So like the lake doesn't get too shallow or what, you know, whatever. And we were assigned to work on the dredge, but like, they didn't really care like if there was no way for them to measure what was being done. They just kind of just left the threads there and <laughs> something gets done. Cool. If not, we're never going to know. Me and Brett had, you know, <laughs> pretty liberal, you know, two hour lunches. We'd go to my house. I'd make some grilled cheeses. We'd watch, watch some TV, go back to work, you know, go run to go and get ice cream cones whenever we felt like it. And there's these, 15, these are 15-year-old kids, just complete yeah. freedom. I mean, there was a couple of days we, we actually had to do some real work, but we weren't, you know, doing something specific. Um, we, we like to take naps, so we went in this kind of down the cove a little bit. There was a pontoon that was, like, in its in its lift, and so we, we just like, hey, we could probably crawl in there and take a nap. So we crawl into this boat that covered up so nobody can see, really, and we just kind of take a little nap out there for, I don't know, probably an hour or two. And I don't know, if it, as we're getting out, the neighbor across the way comes over and sees us, sees a couple of kids climbing out of a boat. He's like, oh, you must be uh, so-and-so's grandkids in town. And Brett was like, yep. <laughs> and I was just, you know, we were just... That's us. us. I'm like, yep. And we just kind of rolled with it. Um, and she talked to us for like 10 to 15 minutes about what was going on. Like, yo, how's cousin so-and-so? And we just had to, I mean, at that point, we were committed to the story. We couldn't really back up. And I don't know if she, yeah, she's like, can I get you back something to eat or drink? And Brett's like, sure. <laughs> she's like, the husband comes out and she like yells up. He's like, yo, so this is so and so's grandkid. Come say hi. <laughs> and the, the guy was like, that's not their grandkids. Their grandkids are like five and six years old. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we, uh, we actually worked for Beaver. Like, we were supposed to be dredging. Decided to crawl in there and take a nap. And she was just like, oh. It was like super awkward. One of the most awkward times of my life. It was bad. <laughs> I, for, I forgot some of that. Yeah, that was, that was probably the best story at work. <laughs> we were good till the guy came out. Yeah, we, we, uh, she, she, didn't, she was none the wiser. It would have been good if the husband didn't come out. She's like, yeah, drink or eat or sand. And you're like, yeah, just bring it on. Like, almost got out of there scot free, but. So let's go back to the fantasy league here. What do you need to do this year to win that elusive title? Uh, this year, I think it's gonna. I think uh, you know three or four teams can 
could win the title this year. I'd say I'm the favorite right now. Now that Admiral is healthy with Embiid back, I think Admiral can take down anybody. Uh, Dickey's been putting up big numbers all year. Um, who's in two? Is it Boogie in two? But he has the same record, I think. Just kept, is that nine, in, nine wins in a row? Is it Boogie? Yeah. The nine wins in a row. Yeah. Yeah, he's hot. Um, and then I'm trying to think off the top of my head half like I just played him last week. But yeah, I think it's just going to come down to whoever, whoever's healthiest down the stretch. Knock on wood, I'm pretty good right now. But I, I got a decent, I think I can, you know, take take out anybody. I'm not I'm not worried. I wouldn't trade my roster for anybody else's right now. I'll tell you that much. Even even the Admirals with getting Steph Curry? Yeah, that was a nice get. Uh, I mean, if you're healthy and Tatum's rolling like he is and Embiid is back playing good, Curry's always out to put up a big night. But I think I got, you know, over the course of 30 starts, a uh, little more depth that can pay off. I got these big. I got these big. We shall see. Between Gobert, Vucevic, Balasuenas, and Porzingis, I collected, you know, the, all the four seven-foot euros. That's kind of been my my backbone this year. Yeah. Yeah, Porzingis been playing good. Some of those, you know, big guys, they're maybe less prone to the the up and down games. Some of these scoring guards, you know, can go out and get forty or fifty, but more liable to put up a, a ten or fifty, you know, five point clunker where these big guys just kind of grab boards and grind out 30, 40 points a night to pay off in the in the long run here. So if you make the title game this year, who do you want to face? Uh, or are you just or are you just eager to get, get there? get there? I think you're on my side, so I wouldn't play you in the finals. I'm trying to look real quick who would, who's on the other side. Yeah, no, I'm trying to have it set up so I can play you as, me, as soon as possible. So – That's got to be a little. That's got to be a little nerve-wracking. Uh, I mean, you know, you might have to go through the admiral either way. So might as well, we'll get them out early. Going right off past six, though, I, you know, you're gonna have a chance to pull there. It's nice to get to that. But I, I like the six. Yeah. Reward the, the first two seeds there. That, that bye week's gonna, gonna come in handy. I agree. Last year, that would have changed things. These all these bottom seeds were running their mouths like they're gonna win, and then they all. Want the yeah, split title? Yeah. yeah, that was a sad. Sad playoff year last year. I'm, I'm kind of glad I got eliminated. Um, one didn't have to think about the what if. You know, if a, a once in a lifetime pandemic ruins your your title shot, then you really might start to question. You know, do the fantasy gods have it out for you? So that would have been a, a tough pill to swallow if I would have won round one and you know looking down the barrel at a title and all of a sudden the league shut down. And, you don't even get the chance to play for it. Yeah, and and Admiral's yeah, gone too. Like that's it was, it was, a huge plus. It was just set up for me, but I, I, I don't know for the taking. But they put up a good week. I, I didn't play well. Whoever beat me put up a good week and kicked me out early. Well, maybe this year, year it'd be good to see your name on that trophy. Uh, so, any final comments before you go, or any other stories you want to share yeah, with our I think, listeners? I think we got through, through most of them. There's probably something you know, we forgot or something that somebody finds funny, but 
if people have been listening this long, I hope they enjoyed what they heard. And it's been a, a fun year, and I think everybody should be sticking around next year. I know uh, Bigfoot's always threatening to quit the league, but I'm sure he'll be back. Yeah. He said he's going to win. He'll be back. That's what he said, yeah. <laughs> that shit's funny. So, all right, Swaggy B, thank you for your time. You're now off the hot seat. I'm a freak of the click. Keep it on the tuck so I creep on a bitch. And I play wrong, never sleep with a bitch. Keep it real with my niggas, never weak for a bitch. Never weak for a bitch, nigga. Every time I come around, you see it, bling, bling. Think it rang with about any bling, bling. Every time I buy a new ride, bling, bling. The rentals on your car, I'm a tie, bling, bling. Every time I come around, you see it, bling, bling. Think it rang with about any bling, bling. Every time I buy a new ride, bling, bling. The rentals on your car, I'm a with the legs rubber, candy coated helicopter with the leather cover. If you're sucking, I fucking take off the rubber. Then toss that bitch, nigga, cause I don't love her. All up, man, they bought a private plane. They turned around and sold that bitch to Juvenile Wayne. They put 30 inch Lorenzo's on the thing, man. I know you niggas out there just don't understand.